And welcome back to Bar Down Breakdown. I'm your host, Mikey Ryan, live from the Hive, joined by my boy, Tommy V, from the land of Disney. Tommy, what is good? Oh, you know, just hanging out, man. You know, enjoying, uh, enjoying the things, you know, watching closely as... You know, some of these, uh, some of our states start to reopen up and things are starting to happen. They just reopened the pool at my complex, which I'm very excited about. I love swimming. So I'm going to go swimming probably tomorrow. I'll let you know uh, if I get sucked into the pool filter. I hope I don't. But, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pumped about it. Yeah, I have a neighborhood pool and I, I haven't heard any word of it opening up. So I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't open up this summer really yeah and to be honest you know with caitlin being pregnant i don't think we'd be using it much to begin with that's true yeah i guess so and and caitlin's parents don't live too far away and they have their own pool so if we do decide to go swim in a few days this summer we'll probably just be at their house that's true i mean uh, you know that's cool i mean obviously you know I know the you know summers in Florida get get really really hot, but I know they get hot you know in Charlotte by you guys. How how uh, I always forget. I'm not super good with geography, but like how far are you guys from like water, like water, water? Uh, like at least two and a half hours, three hours, mm. probably to like a, a main beach. Okay. So it it's not ideal. Um, we we actually have not gone to the Outer Banks yet since moving here. And oh really? Yeah, everyone raves about it. Obviously, there's that new hit show on Netflix called The Outer Banks yep. that takes yep, place exactly. There. Yeah, and uh, it's it's definitely on our our list of one of those. I, I guess you can call them like a staycation kind of thing. Probably yeah, exactly. We're yep. gonna be going on a lot of those probably the next four or five years since we're not gonna be able to go on our typical cruises like we used to. Yeah, yeah, of course. But you know that's what happens when. Uh... You know, the world, the world is a changing, you know, your, your family is growing and you know, it's going to be a little different, but, um, you know, eventually, you know, maybe you'll uh, find like a cool family cruise to go on, you know? Oh, I, I definitely plan on it. I, you know, I just don't feel like it would be worth it until they're at least four or five because yeah, that way you Old don't have to, to bring, remember the experience. Yeah. You don't yep. have to bring like a stroller or anything like that. And yeah, that too. That too. So it's going to be a little while, but, you know, it's all exciting and good times right now. Yeah, man. I mean, that's that's all you can hope for is, you know, the the little gleams of uh, glimmers and gleams of hope and, you know, in this kind of kind of wacky time. But um, so we're uh, we're actually really, really privileged. Uh, You know, we're we're doing this cool interview coming up that you're going to hear with uh, Mike from the Devil Wears Prada. you know, they're a you know a metalcore hardcore band that's been around for a long long time. Uh, they've played all over the world. They've uh, played on a lot of cool tours with a lot of great bands. Um, but um, one of the cool things uh, that we did talk to Mike about is uh, Devil Wears Prada you know, put out a song on um, the Punk Goes Crunk uh, chronology. Uh, if you're familiar, it's kind of in the you know the punk goes pop vein where like all of those uh you know all of these alternative and punk and metal bands covered uh you know pop songs covered you know and the punk goes crunk is like you know kind of like 
hip hop and stuff like that. So it was super cool to get to talk to him about that. But splitting off of that, um, I figured maybe you and me could talk about some of the compilations that, you know, we thought were awesome growing up that were kind of in that vein. So uh, I'll, I'll let you start. Do you have a favorite one? I 100% do um, for two reasons. Obviously, it's um, got just beautiful music on it and introduced me to a few mm-hmm. bands that I still listen to, but also mm-hmm. the personal connection with our friend Brian Manigold, who we lost a little too soon, um, mm-hmm. have, having that be one of the CDs that he borrowed from me you know, right yeah. before he passed. It was just always something that means so much to me. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm talking about the Dead and Dreaming compilation for uh, a tribute to the Counting Crows. Mm-hmm. And, yep. man, like, that that was actually my first experience with ever listening to Between the Buried and Me and their cover yeah. of Colorblind. Like, they made that song their own and beautiful, and it was just... That that song alone made it work. You know, one of my favorite albums of all time. Yeah, and, and that that one's got um, it's got a lot of cool covers on it, man. Um, the the Junior Varsity did a great cover of "Raining in Baltimore," um, and then obviously the record closed out with um, as Tall as Lions doing "Children in Bloom." And I mean, like you know, it's cool. Punchline was on it. Boys Night Out. Uh, the Rocket Summer was on it. Uh, Bayside was on it. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a great comp, uh, really was. Um, and yeah, you know, that, that rendition of colorblind was, was really super haunting. And it's so funny because between the buried and me are so vastly different from that on their, you know, on their regular records, you know, they're, they're very much a, a progressive metal band with a lot of crazy things going on and time signatures and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, uh, yeah, no, that one was good. Did you, uh, was there like another track on it other than Colorblind that like you particularly dug? Um, was who did Mr. Jones? Was that oh, I was hit, hidden in plain view? Hidden in plain view. Yeah, their cover yeah. of Mr. Jones is really good actually too. And yeah, I, I'm not a I'm not even gonna lie. I'm not like the biggest Counting Crows fan mm-hmm. by any means. But yeah, you know the 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 Rocket Summer had a, a great cover on that I'm, and i'm not even 100 percent sure of the song titles because like i just yeah. mentioned them not yeah they're not really a kind of Crows Crows fan, yeah. but <laughs> i feel like all of those bands made their their songs their own and put their stamp on it for sure like that could like you know when i think about that album you know the as tall as lions cover that that's it sounds like an as tall as lions song and, yeah and, yeah like, i agree i i feel like that was probably under the radar of a lot of people because I don't even know what label put that out. And it, it just was, you know, obviously a personal connection to, to us yeah, sure. that sure. made it so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it, uh, it really was great. You know, I have very, a lot of fond memories of listening to that for me. Um, I'd say one of my favorites was the uh, police tribute album uh, that the, the militia group put out. Uh, in 2005, Policia. Uh, that one's just chock full of uh, great, great covers. Um, Fallout Boy does Roxanne, uh, right? Fallout Boy was on that Roxanne, yeah. Um, Copeland covers every breath you take, and it's as, as beautiful as, uh, as as you can imagine it would be. Um, that band Anna Divine, who are like you know a blip on the radar here and gone, they covered every little thing she does is magic, and that's a great cover. Um, Motion City soundtrack covers Truth Hits Everybody. A great band called Branson, who I love, covers King of Pain. It's a great cover. Um, 
if you remember uh, the band uh, Limbeck that had like a, a brief moment in the sun there on it as well. And of course, uh, Under Oath covers uh, Wrapped Around Your Finger on it, uh, which like they did in their own kind of style, which was super cool. Dude, but are I these loved, on Spotify? Uh, because now talking about them, like because that that was a, another favorite of mine from high school. And I would love to just throw that on from start to finish. I think it is. Um, I mean, like I, I got, I'm, I have my info here that I just looked it up through, through Wikipedia, but, uh, I think it might be, um, all right. So, you know, we're not, we're yeah, not facts guys anyway, so we'll just say it's on there and no, nah, we never been facts guys. You know? <laughs> just go <laughs> ahead and try to find those two albums and you will not be disappointed. And, uh, I guess that's a great transition point into our interview with Mike from the devil wears Prada. Yeah, man. Enjoy. boy mike from the devil wears prada mike man what's going on dude oh nothing just trying to keep busy as best i can with the quarantine and uh mostly just doing total dad dad tasks around the house between working on the lawn and building a table and such glamorous activities such as that so that's uh been keeping my days busy as well as running a podcast for for our band where the three of us uh shoot the shit sweet what kind of table are you building? Uh, it's a, it's red oak. Um, it, it's <laughs> it, I'm I'm not I, I can't even really I guess you could say like kind of Danish inspired design wise uh, for my girlfriend and I's home here in Sweet. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, but uh, long story short, I my my dad is a, a gifted woodworker and hobbyist, uh, so I grew up with that. And uh, when I moved from Chicago up to Wisco. And I was able to afford a home with a garage and whatnot. I've slowly built a kind of a, a wood shop situation out there. So I, I go about that. Mikey is uh, Mikey is is a self-proclaimed craftsman himself. What did you just do? <laughs> what did you just do? 
I so, forget. You said you. So I'm also something. doing some dad tasks around around the house, and uh, my wife and I have inherited this 1940s cedar chest that like no one in the family wanted, but then would also be mad if we got rid of it, kind of thing. <laughs> so it was in pretty rough shape, and we just like refinished it and put some chalk paint on it, and it actually came out pretty sweet. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, these are the sort of uh, things that I appreciate going about myself. I'm also going to get mixed up because I've been referred to as Mikey now on the ice. <laughs> so let's try not to get <laughs> too uh, too confused. Yeah, come on, Tom. Get it together. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Milwaukee, uh, we actually have an Islanders fan group in Milwaukee and the, you know, they, they call themselves Isles meet up Midwest, but their home base is actually in Milwaukee. Huh? Yeah. Uh, they get together at Stenny's, I think is the name. Does that ring a bell? Oh sh- yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stenny's they've got, I know one firefighter that plays for the Stenny's team. Um, I, he wears the uni for pickup hockey, which before all this bullshit, I play pickup about three times a week. Uh, with a lot of firefighters, but yeah, I, I don't, I, I've never drank there, but I, I definitely have seen a Stenny's uni. Um, no, no aisle stuff out on the ice though, that I've seen in the, the number of leagues they play in. Yeah. He, he, uh, I guess his like biggest draw is when the Islanders play in Chicago, like, you know, it's not too far of a drive to, to Chicago. So they always try to get like group tickets when the Islanders are there, but I do know that they have their meetups at Stenny's just something that stuck in my brain for some reason. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, it's a, it's a, a fair amount of hockey here. Um, you know, we got the ads, the Preds farm team and um, been to two games there. Um, obviously great speed and, and whatnot, but um, yeah, it's a pretty good community. I think that a lot of Wisco or Milwaukeeans uh, hockey players aren't too proud of our game here. Here. And, and I think that's mostly just because, you know, we're bordering uh, uh, Minnesota and obviously the absurd amount of hockey out there. And um, even Madison, Madison obviously has an incredible program with the, um, the school there um, and a lot of hockey out that way, a little bit west, too. Yeah. And I must say, like the Milwaukee Admirals, one of the coolest logos and jersey designs in all of I would say hockey. Uh, it's up there, man. It's it's not as historic as some, but I, I think it's a cool design for sure. Yeah, they're they've got some good alternates too. I, I quite I like their branding. I mean, I'm certainly no fan of the Preds, but uh, um, the ads, uh, you know, it, it's cool. And you know, obviously, I'm being a Pens guy. I love that you know Horny came through here um, when he was getting called up to the Preds and starting his career and. Um, Obviously, a lot of really gifted players have come through Milwaukee, and if uh, if you know they weren't playing against Wilkes Bar, then uh, I would I might pick up a uni, but uh, um, yeah, I'm too too loyal to the Pens. I'm no Tom Williams. I was just listening to your your podcast with Tom, and <laughs> he's become a a good buddy of mine since we toured with Stray um, late last year. So a lot of a lot of what <laughs> I, I heard Tom going on about was was stuff that him and I were you know we I remember it like one night it was like I checked my watch and it was like two hours of just non-stop hockey the guy the guy knows his stuff when when we toured with them uh I was like uh, I hear Tom's like the biggest hockey guy in the world and I'm like there's no way you know he can he like I want to like compete with them like there's no way he's got shit on me but 
he he does like he he's right up there. So um, yeah, and, and that Tom interview, man. We if if we if we didn't try to like reel him in, we, that probably would have ended up being like a six hour episode. Like he he would he had he had just rockets of stuff to say, and that's the and that's the cool thing about Tom. Like you know, it, being from you know M- Mikey and I are both from Long Island, so I mean like you know I, I've I, the opportunities we've had to see Stray, you know, when they were you know little little baby biddies, you know, it was really cool, and he was such a huge Rangers fan then. And, uh, you know, but now they've been kind of all, all over the world, which is, uh, which is super cool. It's almost like, uh, you, you kind of get that, um, that like hometown good feeling, you know, just like knowing how, how Stray is, has kind of progressed as a band and progressed as musicians. But, uh, um, man, yeah, he could, he could go, man. He's, he, <laughs> you know, he could go, he sure could dude. And then, uh, and Stray's awesome, man. They're, they're such a good band. Yeah, they became real good buddies of ours, the Prada boys. Um, we are sharing a bus and whatnot. Um, it was awesome. I, I definitely think the world of that guy. And uh, I, I don't know if I didn't listen to the whole podcast just yet, but I don't know if he mentioned his dog is named Sydney. So he's uh, a little beagle. So I, uh, I'm always going back and forth on Instagram these days whenever he puts up Sid as his pup. Um <laughs> But yeah, good show of respect from him. Obviously, Rangers fan definitely doesn't have to love Sid, but the dude does. And if you know hockey, you love Sid, and that's that's kind of where I'm at, you know. Yeah, I could tell yeah. that he was definitely just a love of like love the game no matter what, and like just you know, even though Sidney Crosby plays for the Penguins, he just like appreciates what Sidney Crosby's done for the the league and for hockey. And I could definitely tell that you know from talking with him. For sure. Now, I'm trying to put together the puzzle pieces. Like, the Devil Wears Prada is from Dayton, Ohio, which, you know, Ohio has their own team. You are in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Like, I, I know you mentioned you lived a little bit in Chicago, but, like, I'm trying to follow how you ended up becoming a Penguins fan, and it's not really making sense to me at the moment. <laughs> So I was born Pittsburgh, um, but we, my family moved to Ohio when I was pretty young. I think I was like three. So I only spent about three years in Pittsburgh. Um, but my, my family being Western Pennsylvania, diehard uh, Steelers, Pens fans. I'm a Bucks fan, too, or a Pirates fan. Um, since I for some reason, my family was never into baseball or basketball, but I'm quite the uh, sports uh, junkie, if you will. So um yeah, we, I, it's weird. My, I, same as like from what I've taken from you guys talking about it, and even Tom, like hockey's just always been in my life, and I've always been a diehard hockey guy. And it's kind of weird because I, I don't know, you know, the, the game has obviously grown with the 91 92 run for, for my guys. And um, still, it's kind of weird that my dad was so attracted to hockey, but I, I remember growing up with it, and I remember being like a tiny kid, like some of my first memories, pretending to be a goalie or pretending to, uh, I remember like designing my own pads, even though I didn't know like what, what pads goalies wore and whatnot. And, uh, when I first started playing myself, I, I split between skating out and, and being a goalie. And then once I went from roller to ice, uh, I stopped playing goal. Um, but yeah, er, early memories in, uh, from Pittsburgh and I'm still one of my absolute favorite place, uh, places to be. I love Pittsburgh dearly. And then, um, once I graduated high school, the band went to Chicago and I, I lived in Chicago about nine years. And now I've been in, uh, Wisconsin for about two and a half. 
Okay, so when you were in Ohio, did like you even like think about becoming a Blue Jackets fan, or it was just too <laughs> too uh, deep to to even switch over and change alliances? I remember, so my team, like my Pee Wee team, would go to Jackets games in Columbus. So like, I've I've been to nationwide since like fucking day one. My my sister lives in Columbus, um, so I was at a, a Columbus game just uh, uh, actually only about a year ago. I think it was last March. I was at a Jackets Pens game um, with my girlfriend and I. Uh, my, I visited my nephew just after he was born. Um, and we were at a game, so I, I know Nationwide well, and obviously there's been a bit of a rivalry building there, but I remember my first apartment I ever owned in Cincinnati, I, like, when I got cable, because, you know, this is before all the streaming and whatnot, and I remember I got uh, Sportsnet Ohio, or, or whatever it was, um, and I remember watching the games and, like, kind of pulling for them, but, I, that, you know, that was before, they were Western Conference then, too, so... Um, there was not any sort of, uh, you know, the, the heat that is there now, which even I don't Pittsburgh's always had a thing and I, I'm proudly participate in like, as far as like Bengals, Bengals always consider the Steelers the biggest rivalry, but the Steelers kind of just shrug it off. Like, and I'm kind of the same way with the pens and I don't like giving them the, the, our time of day versus, you know, what's been between Philly and us since, you know, the seventies and everything that happened back then. So I don't know. I just fucking hate Dubinsky after the, the Sid cross checks and whatnot and everything that happened. Uh, the, I guess that was about two, two seasons ago. So um, never been a Jackets fan, lightly pulled for them. Uh, you know, I guess this was 2008, 2009, but uh, yeah, I mean, not even, I don't have a lot of admiration for much of their players now that I'm thinking about it right now. Obviously, Torts is doing a lot of good there now, but um, yeah, sorry, long-winded reply. No, no, I, I, I asked, and it just now it all you know makes sense, and we can go on from there. Now, um, you know, there, there's also you know you mentioned the rivalry between the Penguins and the the Flyers, but you know maybe it's just you know because I'm an Islander fan, I also feel like there's always been some i wouldn't say like islanders rangers levels of rival rivalry but there has been some bad blood between the islanders and penguins and do you feel that as well on your end or you could care less about us no no um i mean before we started recording i'll i'll take it on the chin fucking last postseason in the sweep um wasn't a <laughs> wasn't the way we wanted to conclude our season. I think I was in fucking Boston at the time too. Or maybe, uh, I can't remember it. I'm obviously all thrown off with the postseason now that we don't have hockey, but, um, yeah, it was a salt in the wound as far as ending the season. It was, it was a rough one, but I'm stoked with what we did moving Phil. Um, cause it came out as far as, you know, it was either Phil or Gino and obviously we have to take Gino, but, um, no, I, I certainly, uh, I, I respect the aisles. Um, I, I respect the talent and as, just as I was saying, as far as Sid, like if, if you love hockey, you have to love, uh, Barzell and, um, well now isn't, uh, is, is Anders Lee a free agent? Isn't that a big point no, of discussion? It's, it's actually Barzell. So Barzell's oh. an RFA. Lee just locked up for seven years this past off season. 
Oh, okay. My bad. My bad. Uh, so I wanted to ask you guys, where are you guys at with Barzell versus Trotz? Uh, you know, Barzell doesn't necessarily fit into Trotz's system, but neither did uh, Alex Ovechkin at first. So, like, I feel like Trotz is just a world-class coach, and Barzell's eventually going to figure that out and just realize that he's not going to have, like, that you know, that, that colder year where he could just you know skate circles around people and not have consequences for for playing that way so i i think so you think he's gonna sign in i think he's yeah i i think the islanders have already come out and said that like even if a team offer sheets barzell they're gonna match no matter what so i think that he's gonna get close to top dollar and he'll be here for for a couple more years at least yeah, as fans, you got to hope for that because that dude is a fucking beauty. No, he is. Yeah. And, and you know, sometimes he just does, you know, stupid things where he holds the puck a little too long. But that's just, you know, what happens when you are 20 years old and you're <laughs> still like... Filthy mitts, yeah. Yeah, you're still becoming the player that you're, you're going to be. And um, if we lost Barzell after <laughs> a few years after losing Tavares, like, I don't know what the fr- the franchise would do at this point i don't like i i don't know tavares has obviously been a bit of a stinker up north now but um you know he's his his name in the locker room is it's hard you know it's hard to play in toronto and it's got to be hard with you know what matthews is doing and, and, the, and marner and the rest of the guys up there but i don't know i i i feel like I, I would be really disappointed in Tavares if I was a Leafs fan. So from your guys' perspective, I don't know that. I, you know what's funny is I remember in regards to the Isles, when you guys uh, traded away or lost Ocposo, I was like, man, I, I, I couldn't believe it. Cause it and in retrospect or in, in looking back, I think what happened was that he he just lit up the pens so much that I might have over-respected Ocposo because he hasn't been very good with the Sabres. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, I, I respect Grice. Grice was a, a pen for a number of seasons. So um, in terms of what you mentioned as far as the rivalry between the Isles and the pens, it, it's nothing like – how I feel about certain flyers or, or even, you know, mentioning like Dubinsky and whatnot, but yeah. All I want to say, all I want to say here uh, is, um, you know, hockey rivalries that kind of, I think the interesting thing about it is like, so I, I kind of think that they're more, maybe it's just my perspective because, you know, being an Islanders fan, I always focus on the East, but I feel like there's more depth in some of the rivalries in the East versus the West. And I think a lot of them derive from really sticky playoff situations. I mean, like if you look at um, like the Isles and Canes are kind of starting to build a little bit of a rivalry. And I think that's all on the back of, of, uh, of, you know, some of the, you know, the postseason encounters they've had. Um, and I think that can do that. I mean, like you've got longstanding rivalries, you know, Penn's Flyers, you know, uh, you know, Bruins, uh, Bruins Habs and, obviously the Islanders and Rangers, but I mean, you, you know, uh, one really rough, really like rough and tumble playoff stretch can build a whole rivalry that lasts for years and years. So I I think that's one of the things I like to see about the NHL is just that like, 
you know, playoff hockey is so hard nosed and, you know, you can't even not be a hockey fan and, and get into playoff hockey. And all of a sudden, um, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of hook, line and sinker on it. But uh, I think that I think that's one of the most interesting things. And I think that, you know, enough hard hits, you know, some, you know, dirty, shitty play here and there. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got a rivalry that extends into the next season and the season's going forward, uh, which I think is kind of what's building between, you know, the Islanders and, and, and Canes and you can kind of see it. Uh, but, you know, I think that's one of the things that, um, that I kind of like, I, I love about the game in general is it's just like the other sports have a lot of, you know, built in rivalries that have been going on forever and ever, and they never seem to cease. But, you know, when you got different pairings and stuff and all of a sudden you get a kind of new flash of, of why you're, you're trying to watch again, which I really enjoy. Yeah, without a doubt. Totally agree. Um, and it, it's exciting too. I mean, I, I think Kane's also like, I have this soft spot for the broadcasting, the broadcasting so good. So like it, it you know, it sucks. It, it has to suck as an Isles fan to, be, to have a rivalry, but you know, objectively it's just skill versus skill, especially with the Canes and uh, Rod the bot is such a, uh, just a, just total man rocket. So I, 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 I love, it's hard. That's, that's actually another one I need to mention is like, it's hard to love Brenda Moore so much as a Pence fan and you know, what we had to go through against the flyers when he was there, but sure. Yeah. It's all just fucking killing me. Cause we don't have hockey right now. I know Sucks. we don't, but what, what some teams are doing is they're bringing back like, you know, obviously some of their classic games and, the Islanders brought back on um, they had like a, a social media night where they played the game uh, on YouTube and it was the Islanders Penguins fight night. So do you remember that specific game back in 2011? I don't see like for Island. See that that's what I was talking about, like where Islander fans think there's a bigger, bigger rivalry between us and the Penguins and like it's not reciprocal. Where, like, you know, you bring up that fight night, like, every Islander fan's going to remember it. And, like, I feel that's why I wanted to ask you, like, do you guys remember it? And it, it probably didn't even, like, wasn't even, like, a, a on your radar. Was it, was it Talbot? Was that, like, what that was centered around? So it was, like, what, dude, this is when the Islanders had a bunch of goons. Like, Trevor Gillies was on the team. Zanin Kanopka was on the team. And it literally was just a bench clearing brawl, goalie fights and all. But I think that's where, I think that's what the, where the, the genesis of it was. I think it was, uh, I forget who it was. I think it was Talbot and he checked someone and I don't remember. And then it just like, it, it went off and yeah, then all the, it was Gillies and Haley and like all those dudes. Right. Yeah. It was, a, it was a, it was a nightmare. <laughs> like, the the benches at the end of the game were so empty and it was just <laughs> yeah <laughs> shame on me i i thought talbot had moved on by 2011 though or we lost him uh i'm trying to remember what caused the fight i just remember like someone on the penguins didn't want to get engage and like trevor gillies like hopped on him and, and like started like shaking him like come on get get up and like let's go and the guy wanted nothing to do with that. Right, so I, I, I got, I got, I got the info up here. So the, the, where it started from, I was, I was, I was a little on the nose. So what it was, was, um, uh, Talbot hit, hit, uh, Como. And, um, it was like 
questionable, but they didn't call it. And then um, Como ended up with a concussion. Uh, and that was like the, a game prior. And then the brawl game itself um, happened. Uh, that was the 11th of February. And it was the Islanders were, were, I think it was like a 9-3 win. The Islanders ended up like annihilating the Pens. But uh, there was like a 6 nothing lead. And then um, uh, I think it was Talbot was there. And then they went after him. And then before you know it, uh, Martin got involved. And literally, I, like I'm looking at the, the penalty summary. Uh, there were like, what the fuck? This is insane. There was like 346 penalty minutes in the entire game. Oh, wow. When did Matt Martin enter the league? Uh, um, probably that year or maybe 20, uh, 2010. That dude is scary. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is a humongous he's, dude. He's nothing insane. compared to Trevor Gillies, though. Trevor Gillies, like, yeah. has a look that he would just dart at people across the bench and that that scared me even being an islander fan <laughs> dude like I, i'm just i'm just in awe looking at like so i just like i popped it up on wikipedia just to like look over it man so like bailey hamannick uh england uh pascal dupuis uh haley gillies craig adams uh goddard uh all game misconducts. Craig like, Adams. Oh man, good times. <laughs> like who was, who was even like like who was left to play hockey? Like, yeah, like I said, I'm the bench was pretty like, empty. <laughs> That's wild. I love it. Now, Mike, with the uh, the whole Michael Jordan uh, special that's going on on ESPN right now, are you like, when the hell is Mario Lemieux gonna get his? <laughs> uh i don't know i you know i'm not gonna be a, a sore pens fan and say that he hasn't received the amount of respect or recognition no he has that i yeah I, I i agree um but at the same time we hold him so dear in pittsburgh and love mario so fucking much that like I don't know. I, I think that our our overall culture and what the team has done, and obviously he's the owner, so it's huge, but everything Penn's hockey is so pivotal on Mario to where if you're a Penn's fan, you we subjectively give him and honor him as he as he deserves. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I could I could see it. Um, at the same time, I, I almost wonder if he's too close to the game at this point, being an owner and whatnot, like he needs to like almost re, re, like retire even further away from the, from the game, maybe to receive the honor and respect he deserves. But, um, I don't know. I, you know, <laughs> I've got, of course, a Mario Jersey in my closet and I love the guy and I, you know, my earliest memories, um, regarding Mario and whatnot and, uh, I know how much I love the guy. So if uh, if the rest of the hockey community d- d- doesn't see him for the the greatness that he was, then uh, you know that's on them. No, I, and I'm going to admit it here on the podcast. I don't know if I ever have, but I would say between the ages of five and like twelve, I was a huge Mary Lemieux fan, even though like. Even though I was a, a big Islander fan too, I 
I would say if someone asked me who my favorite player was, it was Mary Lemieux. I mean, yeah, I, and you're in the East, you know. Well, I don't know. I guess you know Gretzky coming through the Rangers and whatnot, but you have to hate, hate the Rangers as an Isles fan. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I'll say retire sixty six. I'll say that for sure. Um, I know there was one player that recently came in the league wearing 66 yeah, though. Josh and Mario... on the Islanders. Oh, he was an Isle. Yeah. And Mario <laughs> gave him his blessings. He's like, yo, I don't care. But that was all, you know, I, I'm proud of Mario for not being like, uh, petty about it. But, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, 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 I'd say retire 66, but that's a little too obvious as a Benz fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, I support that. I do support that. Like, you know, if he didn't have his whole like back issues and cancer and all that, like I, I think Gretzky's records would have been closer than you would, you know, imagine. Uh, you could make a case. I mean, it's just crazy. Gretzky's numbers and the, like the acceleration that it was is pretty. It's obviously undeniable, but um, yeah, there there's no shortness of total total admiration for for Lemieux. Um, from from myself and I think from the greater Penn's community. So I have a question. When you look at body of work, uh, and I'm, I'm sure you've probably pontificated or even have been asked this before, but, you know, Lemieux Yager versus, you know, Malkin Crosby, like overall body of work, like, you know, championships, you know, 91, 92, and, you know, obviously 2016, 2017, you know, 09 and all that kind of stuff. I mean, like, who do you think 20 years from now is going to have the, the lasting power as, as being the premier, you know, like Penn's franchise? I think it's going to be Gino and Sid. I mean, Sid's just been so, I don't know. It, it's funny, you know, after, especially just coming off the tales of discussing Mario's uh, career and, you know, our love of him. Like, Yager isn't so loved on in Pittsburgh as one might think. And a lot of that's coming from what he did, you know, later as uh, with, with teams that we fucking hate. Yeah. true. Um, and a, a lot of that felt, uh, it felt like it was disingenuous and I don't know. I, I, I would love for Yager to come back and, and show a little more love for Pittsburgh. And, and he has like, in and like, you know, our 50 year documentaries and whatnot, Yager's, of course, interviewed, but I don't know. I think, you know, playing where he went to play later, coming back from, you know, coming back into the NHL, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I see Gino and Sid both retiring uh, black and gold. And, I mean, what Sid's done for the game, I think Sid's going to have a, uh, a history and a reputation for him for a very, mm-hmm. very with the game forever. And I, I even, yeah. I don't, I'm not going to say like bigger and Gretzky or something like that. You know, that, that's reckless to say, but um, what Sid's done for the game and what Sid is as a character, as far as keeping his head down and, and not, um, you know, not being a diva and, and Ovi's has been good about that too, you know, and, when Matthews recently, you know, a couple of years ago, the Uber driver scandal or whatever, where he's like grabbing his ass and yeah. there are these complaints and whatnot, like, or even, gosh, I think, 
I think uh, Dowdy. What was Dewey? He was doing something, and I forget what it was, what his suspension was, or he got fined or something. And I was like, man, if Latang did that, I would be fucking furious. And I, 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 I go about the same with with Sid, and I, I love his character so much. And I think that the reason I mention it, rambling, and I know. <laughs> People that hate the pens are not have already closed out of this podcast. <laughs> um, I think his character is a part of why him and Gino are, are going to be they're, they're the two headed monster. And I, as much as you know, I love what the pens did early '90s, going back to back. Um, Sid and Gino, I, I think, take a, 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 I don't know, bigger in history than '66 and '68. Okay. All right. I, I mean, listen, I, I could appreciate that. It's, and it's always, you know, you, a question that I like to, you know, just kind of run by Penn's fans just because there's so much, you know, rich history with, with both of those guys. And then, of course, they both had, you know, great players that, you know, played around them. I mean, you know, obviously when you look at, um, you know, Lemieux and um, and Yager, you know, they had, you know, guys like uh, like, like Paul Coffey and like, uh, you know, those guys. Tom and, Barrasso. Yeah, yeah, and that right, yeah. Richard, yeah, Park. Tommy Brasso, Martin Straka, Kovalev. It was actually uh, funny uh, listening to Tom. I I was gonna, I was texting Tom a second ago, uh, when when you know we were sorting out this recording or whatever, and I had a uh, for the Pradapod. Um, we recently had Paul Mark and Billy from Silverstein on, and Paul Mark is a huge Habs fan. Um, and uh, also a player as well. I haven't skated with him yet. I haven't skated with Chris anti-flag either. Um, I hear he, he, I hear he's filthy, and I would love to skate with him. But Paul Mark, I was saying, um, the the Silverstein guys don't know straight from the path too well. But Paul Mark was saying like, oh, isn't one of those guys huge hockey guy? And I was like, yes, Tom. And it was funny that I, I really hope to have to hang with all three of us combined because I was saying Kovalev is like the perfect thread between our three organizations. Like Kovalev, <laughs> like it, like for me, you know, and if someone says Kovalev, like I think a pen, like I think he was between the teams he played for, he was a penguin more, more so than any, any other team. But of course, I'm sure Tom would say that he's a Ranger more so than any other team. And of course, Paul Mark says that he was a, a Canadian more so than any other team. So um, I, I love throwing Kovalev in there, too, as far as early 90s. And anytime Brass is mentioned, I always have to uh, I wear number 47 whenever I get to choose a number. And uh, I, I chose 47 when I was a kid. Because I, again, I, I skated out and I also played goalie. So I wanted a number that reflected both. And, you know, I they want to be too obvious as far as having 66 or something. So I wore, I wore 47 because I, I subtracted 35 from 82. Because 82 was Martin Straka and 35 was Brasso. So I, I, that, that's the reason I wear 47. And I Martin, Martin Straka, for hockey fans out there, it, it totally, totally underrated, totally under the radar. And I would, uh, I would encourage people to look into him. I I've got a, as a short guy myself, I'm only five, eight, 160, 165. And, uh, he was about the same. And that, that's a part of why I love Connor Sherry, um, so much. And it, it broke my heart when it went to the Sabres and now he's back with the pens. But like, I mean, I, you know, I have to hate Marty St. Louis because of where he played, but at the same time, like I've always loved Marty St. Louis, like the short guys are like, 
I, I'm I'm just the biggest fan in the world. So Straka was he was also Czech, and in case my last name doesn't give away, I'm Czech myself. Um, I was actually just watching. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this. I imagine you guys are uh, Chicklets fans, but um, they just dropped the Voracek interview on YouTube yesterday. If you guys haven't watched it yet, it's fucking great. That dude is he, he's pretty talking like body fat and whatnot. It, it was pretty awesome. I was really enjoying that last night. But I uh, Martin Straka, whenever we're talking like or, you know, the, those 90s Penns teams or in late 90s. Uh, Straka, I always have to throw out there as being not only small, which makes me love a player, but also being Czech. Sweet. Absolutely. So I'm just going to flip uh, flip the script a little bit, just uh, to chat with you a little bit about, um, you know, the Devil Wears Prada uh, and uh, just get some, some insight from you. Um, so I, I guess the, the first question I have is just um, uh, like, wh- why did it take you so long to find a home on solid state, man? Like, I, I feel like um, like solid state is like the record label that like the devil wears Prada were like born and bred for, man. I mean, like, um, how, how did that kind of transition come about? You know, I, I know that you, uh, you know, you had a little, uh, a little stint, uh, where you were working with Roadrunner. you went back to rise. And now for this last, uh, record you put out, uh, you were working with solid state. So like kind of walk me through the, the lineage if you can. Yeah, man, it's it it is one of those sort of like obvious fits. Um, I mean, the Devil Wears Prada was raised by Solid State in terms of like discard like what I was listening to as a kid, you know, and like growing up loving the Chariot and Under Oath and sure. even as Cities Burn, Beloved, Beloved's a huge one, probably bigger than any other Solid State band. Honestly, love Beloved, love Beloved yeah, so dude. much, man. Yeah, I got I have a Failure on LP actually. I'm looking at here on my, my shelf now. Yeah, I but, had one too. I had one too. I think it's in, uh, is, is yours Hunter green? Is that the color you got it on? I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't spun it in a while, but, yeah. um, yeah, beloved huge, but you know, the, those bands formed our, our inspiration, you know, and they, they formed us. Um, really the thing was, is when we signed with ferret for our third record, they were before we even put out with Roots Above. They got totally bought out in uh, enveloped by uh, Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were we were basically with ILG for, for um, the Zombie EP. Trying to think, uh, what else? Dead Throne um, and with Roots Above. So ILG Independent Label Group is basically a bunch of different indies combined and we basically just had like this sort of scatter of different people working our records which is really not a great way to go about it and then luckily we we landed in a better position with management to where we could work with roadrunner and a a dedicated team um in which we did uh 818 from there uh rise we were out of our contract with warner brothers and uh rise showed a lot of interest and by this point from when we released plagues um, in 2007, 2006, 2007, I think, um, rise had grown big time, big time. So we, and we still really knew the team there and getting to know, having a team that, you know, and you, you know, you got, you got guys and, and ladies that you can call and you know, their number is really encouraging as an artist. And mm-hmm. unfortunately what happened from there is, that didn't happen. Like basically we, we, we were 
I won't say totally, totally ignored, but we were highly uh, unsatisfied with what they did for our next two releases, um, which is how long we signed. Um, But when, before we signed back to rise solid state, we're, we're throwing very favorable numbers at us. And we're like, we were tempted to go to solid state, but we, we ultimately decided to go with rise. And then once we were out of rise, solid state, put those same favorable offers up and we're like, hell yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah. And they, they're, they were putting out records that were growing and bands that were growing. So, um, you know, the, the reputation was sort of coming back after a, a, a dip there for a long while, I think, um, but yeah, our, our team over there is awesome, and um, we're happy with the the rollout of the act. Unfortunately, yeah. you know, we we we're now have our feet uh, cemented, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like unfortunately, the, yep, it, yeah, exactly with with everything and the virus. So um, there there's some awesome stuff that we we were just about to do with the act that have been again just totally frozen, yeah. but um. God willing, sooner and later we can get back into it. Yeah, and that's one of the things that, like, doing this podcast, especially now, or I should say over the past, you know, let's call it two months, that's kind of like a little a little heartbreaking. It's just like talking to all of these, you know, fantastic, talented, you know, like, bright-eyed musicians that unfortunately, like, it's just like a, a complete standstill. And, like, I, 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 underst- I, I can understand it. It's like the itching to like go do what you love to do, you know, that you've been doing. I mean, like, you know, looking at, at your pedigree, I mean, you've been doing this for 15 years and like all of a sudden, you know, a, a band like yourselves, that's like, you know, out on tour nine months out of the year for the past 15 years, all of a sudden, like you're slammed with this brick wall. And I mean, like, is it good to be able to hang at home and, and, you know, do dad chores and, and like, and all that kind of stuff like, hell yeah, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, like, you know, I, I can't imagine, you know, like, just completely having to put this craft on hold, it's got to be like gut-wrenching sometimes. Yeah, it's disheartening and it's stifling. And, you know, I was – sorry, you're going to make you do some editing with my dogs barking. <laughs> um, no, dogs are awesome. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it is that, you know. Um, I love being home, especially being older and, and having, yeah. having my home and um, – uh, going about my tasks and doing the things I enjoy. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, yeah, you know, my, my brain was set to be out on the road for seven weeks with supporting We Came As Romans and and doing that tour. And it it got off to a fucking great start. Um, you know, we were having a blast. Like we didn't know those guys very well at all, but they've really matured into their own right as, as just, uh, good human beings and dudes and we're kind of the same way we we pride ourselves on being very normal people and prada and we've made a lot of wonderful friends and because of that because we're not like total fucking scum band dudes you know or we try not to be <laughs> um so yeah things were going well and you know i actually had my gear out my hockey gear on the road uh, uh dave stevens the singer of, oh god uh, <laughs> the singer of, uh, we came as Romans is also a hockey mm-hmm. player. Um, oh, we sweet. got, yeah, we actually got out on the ice, um, only once, but him and I were trying to play, um, on the road and, ah. uh, fucking it sucked that that ended. And, you know, I, when we got sent home, I was like, Oh, at least I, 
I can, you know, my, some of the, the teams I was playing on were mm-hmm. just about to hit postseason. So I was like, oh, I can play, you know, playoff hockey with my beer league teams. And sure enough, you know, that's come to an end now, too. So like it and, and that's not even touching on fucking money, you know, man, like I got to buy dog food and, of course. and pay the mortgage, you know, so yeah. we're, you know, the last I fucking hate paperwork. I I'm so bad and impatient at it. And now, you know, we're, we're dealing with these PUAs as far as, um, being self-employed mm-hmm. and, uh, trying to receive government assistance and whatnot. And yeah. that's the last thing that anyone wants to hear an artist bitch about, but you know, that's the reality of our day more so than being able to create and perform. So yeah. that's kind of, that's, that's where it's been. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a very, uh, pessimistic person unapologetically. And it, it, it's come to the point now for me mentally to be able to go up and, and go about my days is trying to, uh, be intentional with positivity. Like, again, I'm not like a PMA dude at all, sure. but you know, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to, it feels like I'm going to drown unless I choose to, to be happy, you know? So, um, I'm, it's, it's those intentional decisions mm-hmm. to be made. And, um, I'm lucky that my tax returns came back to where I'm not suffering at this point. Yeah. Like money isn't the biggest issue. Like we're, we're trying to sell product merch to help things out. And sure. we open like a tip jar type kind of thing for the podcast, um, you know, to help with groceries and beer money. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I, am lucky in that. Right. Um, but you know, otherwise I'm just trying to keep my head up and, uh, play, try to write, uh, play guitar and try to write a little bit, not try to force it. But, um, we had, uh, on our pod, we had Caleb from Beartooth on recently and he's like, somebody, he's writing a, a record right now. And you would think that this is like, everyone's like, Oh, use it, use it, be inspired. But it's like, it's not fucking inspiring. Like the world's fucking at a standstill. Like I'm a bit of a stay at home or misanthrope. Um, And so, you know, not, not going out isn't that uh, it doesn't kill me that much, but it turns out that I need the momentum of the world and its energy and its movement for me to be inspired. Of course. Um, Yeah. So no, and and that makes makes total sense. No, I, I get it. And and I think that's a that's something that's kind of interesting to reflect upon. So, like, you know, with all this time off, I think that's what a lot of, you know, fans of, of this kind of music think it's, you know, uh, you know, it's it, it's a weird time. But like all of these musicians that I love, like they're just sitting at home. They're not doing anything. You know, maybe maybe they're they're you know, they're writing records and stuff. And it's like even if you are, I mean, like what kind of content is going to come out of such a you know, again, trying to be positive is, is, is great. And we all should, but I mean, um, this is a miserable time. And I mean, really what kind of content comes out of this miserable time? And like, you know, I've made jokes with some of my buddies that like, you know, uh, the records that are going to come out in like the first half of 2021 are all going to be just the most miserable, miserable (laughs) records, because it's just like, even if they sound great, they're just going to be filled with all of this, you know, all of this content and all this lyricism that's just going to be centered around, doom and gloom and how can it be i mean like yeah you know if you can find positivity in the fact that like 
you're you're waking up and you have your your arms and legs and like your head is screwed on tightly but you know how tight can it be right now and it's and it's it's just a tough thing but i can appreciate from the perspective of of being a fan of all of this kind of music that you know this this time while it's good for cultivation it's also good for you know people that are touring like we're talking about constantly to, to like get a chance to relax and you know maybe the one striking thing out of this is going to be the longevity of you know musicians that maybe as they were approaching this standstill and didn't know that a standstill was coming maybe they were burnt out maybe they were like man i don't know how much longer i can do this and all of a sudden you get you know three or four months where you don't have to go out on the road and then you realize you miss it and then all of a sudden you know a band that may have just dissolved is now going to be around longer to you know give us the joy of being able to hear more of their music. So that's one of the things that I kind of take solace in just knowing that it is good. And as much as I'd love to see every band that I love come to my city selfishly for me all the time so I could watch them play, you guys are humans and you guys need some time. So I'm glad that uh, even though it's the circumstance that you guys are getting the time to at least just mellow out uh, and hopefully, you know, come back kicking ass. Yeah, I think that's a pretty apt sort of analogy for for most anything, you know, like we we've talked about, um, uh, you know, basically failing businesses that can kind of use this as a positive opportunity to close doors if they were going to anyway. Yeah, that that relates entirely just the same to creativity and to, you know, playing in a band. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we'll we'll see what comes about. We'll see what how much this affects entertainment. And I mean, that's another, something else that I've, I've thought about is like the lasting effects on this, as far as like television, like, like shows I I enjoy watching, you know, like I'm like everything that should be recorded and filmed right now for, you know, what is supposed to roll out in the fall or a year from now, you know, like it can't be filmed like television wise and entertainment wise. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a lot of doom and gloom for sure, and um, that's it, it, it's you know the best we can do is to enjoy the you know that which we we can enjoy in terms of music and records, and um, I'm not a rewatcher at all, which kills me. Like I've I'm for me, I don't know how you boys are, but like I can't watch old games. Like I sports are just a live experience for me, so like. I've I've kind of almost just totally shut down any bit of sports. Like it took me like, and I enjoy basketball. Like I'm a, a Milwaukee Bucks fan since coming up here, and what Giannis has done, and mm-hmm. it's it's been really exciting for the city. And there's been last year in the postseason, it was this really amazing energy around sure. the city. And I remember I was in an Uber, uh, and the driver was telling me he's like, "Yo, even when like, oh gosh, there she goes again." Um, even when the Brewers have had pushes and the Packers are going into the postseason strong, like he said, there was never like this kind of energy. Um, so it, it's exciting on, on the basketball front, but on that note, like I, I totally put off the, the last dance, this MJ, uh, you know, docuseries. Cause I was like, I don't want a taste of sports. Like I don't want the fucking tease, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. For me, it's it's more centered on music, and for me, the thing 
things that I can turn my brain off and that's woodworking and yard work and, and cooking. And it's not so much turning off your brain, but it's, uh, it's a, a different means of creativity for me personally. Sure. Sure. No. And that's, that's, uh, you know, I, I can understand that too. I mean, me and, uh, me and Mikey were talking a little bit, uh, there I go again, mixing up the Mikey's, but, uh, <laughs> so me, me and me and my Charlotte, Charlatanian Mikey, uh, we're just talking about, um, uh, on, I guess that was the NHL network. They were showing, uh, you know, some of the Islanders, like the full games of like the Islanders, like cup wins, um, you know, d- during, during the, the dynasty. And we were kind of talking about how, um, you know, us both being born in, in 87, um, not really having like a, that much of a connection to that. And even going as far as I think like Mikey had said, like, I don't want to, you know, piss off Islanders fans, but like, I, I, I don't care about it, you know? So like, I, I and I kind of understand that, you know, because I mean, you're, you're watching hockey that's 35, 40 years old. And I mean, it was a completely different game, you know, like I feel like goalies didn't even have stances back then. They just kind of stood there. And like, you know, a puck came at him and they were, they just did like the Daria move and like either either it deflected off of them or they didn't. But it's like I can understand that. And I kind of understand the perspective you're talking about with sports in general. I, I can say that I'm a rewatcher when it comes to like uh, like television shows like, you know, like The Office, for instance. Like, I think I've probably watched the whole series 20 times in a row. But in terms of like actual sports, I guess it all depends on how it's presented, like. I like the like kind of the behind the scenes like biographical kind of stuff. So like for instance that that you know um, that Jordan you know kind of mini doc is kind of a, a cool thing for me. And again me like I, I'm a I'm a big professional wrestling fan and uh, Viceland has been doing these Dark Side of the Ring series where they kind of talk about like these things that have happened over time in wrestling and just with the narration and all the like the the kind of behind the scenes stuff I find it really cool. But, like, I don't think I could just go and, like, turn on the NFL Network and watch, like, the AFC Championship from, like, 2014. Like, that just doesn't do it for me. So I kind of understand your perspective there. Yeah, absolutely. It's totally, totally the same. Now, Mike, I have to ask, because my wife will probably kill me if I don't. Um, your, your uh, I guess, your song on Punk Goes Crunk. Like, how did that <laughs> come about? And, like, you know... I, it's obviously a fun um, compilation that Fear, Fearless did, but like when they approached you, were you guys like all in, or did it like did they have to like pull your leg to get you guys to do it? Uh, so I, I still rem- I was actually in Charlotte now that I think about it when we were approached to do it. Um, oh God, it, it, the rest of the band was so so stoked, and I was like, "Fuck no." Um, and I don't mean to like hang that over the guy's heads, um, primarily, you know, like Jeremy, like, you know, where we've skimmed down as far as the, the lineup then versus now Jeremy's a very dear friend, um, someone I respect the shit out of, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't want to do it in retrospect. It definitely has helped us a lot, but at the same time, we don't play it live. And anytime anyone bitches at us to play it live, we're like, no, absolutely not. (laughs) Um, when we retired it at, at some festival in Jersey a long time ago, but, um, or a while ago at least. So yeah, they came to us and I remember they wanted, the band wanted to do party like a rock star. And I was like, Oh my God, like that's even worse. And then, (laughs) 
this was, I mean, I don't remember when the actual still fly came out, but I remember it being huge in high school. I'm, I'm born 88. So, you know, we're about the same age in terms of graduating mm-hmm. school and such, but, um, yeah, I, 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 that song stuck out and I was like, oh, that's a fun song. And the other thing is that we didn't want to be explicit. Like while we're, you know, a bunch of foul mouthed sailors in terms of off the record, we didn't want, I didn't, there's no way we wanted to do some fucking party song, you know, or like, yeah. you know, I'm drinking and hookers, yada, yada, yada. So, uh, still fight was just like a, a good one in that sense. So when I proposed it, we switched to that. Thank God it wasn't party like a rock star. And, uh, yeah, I just remember, uh, recording it. We record most of our early recordings with a dude named Joey Sturgis. He lived in the shitty little town in Indiana. And I remember going there and we like knocked it out in one day. And, um, (laughs) I, I'm the clunkiest person anyway. Obviously there's no way I can fucking rap. So, you know, <laughs> the recording of it was just like bar by bar, line by line. And then, you know, we did it for a few years. Like I remember on warp tours and whatnot. I remember always hating it because it's obviously really difficult to perform. It's a lot happening. And it's not it's not hard to f- perform like creatively. It's hard to perform like just breathing wise. Um, and that kind of like exercise is never uh, rewarding as an artist or a performer. So, um, yeah, you know, we shit all over it, but at the same time, I, I should be grateful that, and I know that it turned a lot of people on to our band. Now, like when you see it on like your Spotify, uh, page and it's like still one of your top five songs, does that, is that something you like take pride in or you're like, God, like when is this going to go away? Uh, definitely the, the latter, uh, <laughs> um, funny enough that I, I, we were just joking with the Silverstein boys and, uh, uh, Paul Mark said they're all royalties, bud. So <laughs> while I'm also complaining about, you know, being able to afford the mortgage and dog food, yep. uh, on, on the other side of that is, uh, thanks still fly. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> So I have a I have a question for you. Um, just kind of re- recycling the, the you know the memory of all of the tours you've been on and and you know all, all of the stuff you guys have done around the world. Um, so, like I said, I, I you guys have just looking at like the list of things you've done is, is pretty wild. But have you ever like let let's say taken a band out on, on tour or got you know set up with a band through a label or whatever where you just realize like before they, they made it big, you like kind of pointed your finger and you're like, man, these guys are going to, are going to rip, you know, like any particular band that like has gone out with you guys that like, were kind of small to start with, but you're like, yo, these guys are going to, are going to, going to nail it soon. Oh, a day to remember, (laughs) obviously like a day to remember was supporting us. And it's the funniest fucking thing in the world because obviously look how fucking huge the band is. Um, yeah, them them for sure we we did it was early 2009 i think i, I went that, to this tour so I, I think i could tell you what it was sweet I brag. Think it was it was you guys was it under oath uh day to remember protest the hero no that so no. we we toured under oath took us out at the end of 2008 it was them uh Seosin, 
us and then swapping openers. And then early 2009, we did a tour called Sweet Brag. Um, and it was us, a dater, a member, um, I think Sky Eats Airplane. Okay. Um, something like that. But th- th- that was our, uh, oh, and Emma Rosa. I think Emma Rosa opened that tour. Oh, okay. um, and yeah, like it's, I don't love headlining. I, I, I love direct support. Um, okay. I'm, I'm a fan of Henry Rollins and his writing. And he has said that direct support's the best because if you show up, if, if you outperform the headliner, you know, it's like, you know, kind of conquering the giant or you're the sure. underdog. And I, yeah. I appreciate the underdog position. Uh, but if the headliner outplays you, you can just say, <laughs> well, yeah, that's why they're the headliner. So like, I, I always like that position. And, and with yeah. that, the, the scariest thing is walkout. If, if, you know, a lot of people of, of the fans leave after, you know, the, the openers play and yeah. that tour, you know, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was brutal, brutal bad, because I can think back to some tours that were brutal bad for the headliner, but th- there was walkout when a data member was supporting us because it was obvious that they were on the up and just, you know, it was only a matter of time. Um, but f- thankfully they, they've always been good friends. Um, and we, we still keep in touch and, uh, a lot of fond memories for sure. Awesome. Awesome, man. I, I, uh, I definitely just wanted to ask you that question because like I said, I know that you guys have taken a lot of different bands out and, um, you know, you guys have really, um, I, I, it's just wild. Like to just like, look at some of the, like some of the stuff you've done, man, it's wild. I mean, Anthrax and Kill Switch and friggin' you know Mayhem Fest with Slayer. I mean, it's just like I think that's just such a such a cool thing. Just to you know, even not not even just to like brag about it, but just to like have the perspective to say like you know my band had the opportunity to play with Slayer, who, who like you know if Slayer didn't exist along with like Metallica, like would half of these bands even be a thought? You know, it's just like I think that's such a cool thing, man. Yeah, and it, it definitely doesn't go unappreciated. Um, I'm a big fan of Slayer, so doing two tours, two Mayhem tours, where they were both they were on it both times, and one of which was also Slipknot. Um, you know, that's fucking huge, and it's it. I don't say that as a pat on my own back, but mm-hmm. um, we're grateful to have had all the opportunities that we have, and. Uh, I've never been like someone that like has been dead set on like I never anticipated being in a band in the first place, let alone one that has sustained a career for me over the last since graduating high school in 2007, Um, along with some odd jobs along the way to, you know, to get by from month to month. Um, But uh, we're we're certainly grateful for it. And right now, you know, we we put out a record that we're proud of. late last year and we we plan on pushing this record for a longer period of time than we have with anything else like you it's it's we feel like we we've kind of tired i tired out the cycle too predictably over the last number of records where you know basically you know it's like it's like clockwork you know or it's formulaic to where like you put out the record then you do this 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 and you Mm -hmm. call it um we don't want to do that um we want to do uh um what's what's just try to get these songs out in front of as sure. many people over and over as possible and su- play as many support tours as we can with the strewn about headliners too. Um, Absolutely. 
So that's where our brain's at. Yeah, man. And hopefully, you know, we'd be lucky to get more of those big support looks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, man, listen, um, you know, just to kind of, you know, wrap this up here, you know, we've been chatting for about an hour. Um, You know, obviously, you know, the the act, you guys put that out uh, last year in October. Um, So, you know, if our listeners there, if you haven't had a chance to, to check it out, you know, for sure, go go spin it on your your favorite stream or go buy the record, you know, to help support this, uh, this man that needs to buy uh, dog food as much dog food as he possibly can. That's so, right. um, <laughs> but, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, I'm just going to throw one last question at you, um, just to tie it together. One last hockey question. So obviously, uh, we're coming up upon, um, you know, uh, Seattle, uh, and their, you know, the expansion draft and, you know, them uh, fielding a team, uh, presumptive, it's going to be the same kind of draft as the Vegas draft was. And if that's the case, um, someone's going to be cherry picked from every team. So um, if you had to make a guess or even like offer up who you'd be cool with giving away, um, who do you think the, uh, the pens are going to lose to, uh, to this draft? That's a great question. And a fucking scary one, unfortunately. Um <laughs> I thought you guys were going to ask me about the the first jersey because uh, you asked Tom about that, which I'm kind of curious as to your thoughts about Jr. and him being sucky because that's a whole complicated political uh, hockey question. But, I mean, man, I fucking love Gensy. I love Gensy so much, and I'm so stoked that we locked in uh, Jake Gensel for um, – I think we got him like four-year. Um, dude's clearing some sheets now. Good for him. Um, I think the only, you know, good thing about this quarantine in terms of hockey is that maybe his shoulder is going to be good for a postseason push for the Pens if if that happens in June, July, or you know what all the rumors are right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I know I'm not answering your question, but I, I it, <laughs> almost like the antonym of your question being that I really don't want to get rid of Gensel. Um, otherwise, like. I could see some like going for our decor. Like I, I, I really like. I, I don't love Pedersen. He, he, he I'm like kind of on and off with him. I, I could see them wanting to make a move for like veteran D. Um, I can't see us giving up Tanger for anything. I could see mm-hmm. Schultze maybe going uh, mm-hmm. if they wanted some veteran D. Um, and I, I, I really like Justin Schultz, but at the same time, he's had really bad injury luck. Um, so I guess if, if they were coming for, for that, I'd have to, uh, maybe give up Schultz cause that would be a, a great piece for a young team to have that, that veteran deep presence and someone that can play at least, you know, second line power play, if not first and, uh, um, contribute a little bit offensively while being a stable, you know, fundamental yeah. D man. Um, but yeah, keep away from Gensey. <laughs> I think uh, I think all Islander fans are trying to employ uh, reverse psychology in so much that every Islander fan is saying, no, please don't take Andrew Ladd. Please don't do it. Don't oh take Andrew Ladd. Yeah. What, what did you guys sign him for the most? He's uh, like overpaid. Like, like, remember when the Flames took Matt England from the Pens? I think it was the Flames. And they gave him like made him. I'd have to look it up. I don't want to embarrass myself without looking at the <laughs> hockey DB, but they were, they were like, they took the pens after a cup, the, the, you know, the Oh nine. And it was like, like 10 sheets. Or, I, I forget. It's not that much of course, but like, 
Oh my God, overpay. And like, you know, I, I lived in Chicago again for a long time and I've been to plenty of Hawks games for a while there. They were my Western conference team. Mm-hmm. Not anymore because so many of their fans piss me off. Uh, kind of the same <laughs> as Tom Williams and Isles fans, I think. But um, I, I can't pull for the Hawks anymore. But, you know, I was in the city when they were winning, you know, when they got their rings. Um, and so, you know, I'm I'm very well familiar with Andrew Ladd. And I've got more Hawks friends than I have Penns fans. Uh, Penns friends, in fact. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I know the Hawks team well, and I'll watch those games to watch. Well, I watch any game because I'm a hockey nut. But yeah. I saw Andrew Ladd with with the, the uh, with the Hawks. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what the GM's thinking there for sure. It was it, it was a bad situation where not a lot of free agents were willing to come to the Islanders at that time. And, like, that's what we got stuck with. But. We're going to be paying for that for a while. And I, I, I could see that, like, the Islanders saying, like, hey, we'll give you a third-round pick if you take Andrew Ladd. <laughs> like, one of those kind <laughs> of deals. He's old, too, man. He's no, old. yeah, and, he, and he's injury-prone. Like, it's it's a terrible situation, especially when you're trying to sign Matt Barzell for, a you know, a nice offer. Right. So Heard that. All right, well, Mike, dude, it was such a blast chatting with you, and uh, please don't tell anyone that I was a secret, closeted uh, Mary Lemieux fan. And uh, once again, you know, once we get hockey back, we'd love to have you on and to, you know, chat some Pens Isles and and all all the good things uh, that the Devil Wears Prada's got going on. Appreciate that. Um, let me know if you if you uh, need some tickets sometime when we're coming through or whatever. You got my email now. But uh, thanks for having me, boys. Um, hopefully we have hockey back sooner or later. And uh, let's go, Pens. All right, man. Cheers. Yo, yo, yo. Man, when when I think that, like, we've found the peak of, like, yeah. the the hockey fandom, we just get another guy in the pod 
who is even a bigger hockey fan than the last one. And Mike is what you would call a diehard Penguins fan, man. And absolutely, man. I mean, and, and, you know, it's cool because, um, you know, it's just, um, you, I feel like you just don't get these opportunities all the time to, um, like to talk more about, you know, like hockey than, than you do music. Cause I mean, like, I'm sure like a guy like Mike, like does interviews all the time being the fucking lead vocalist of like a huge metalcore band. <clears throat> and like when he finally, you know, gets his time to shine being a huge hockey fan, he gets to, you know, be on this podcast and just like chirp for 30, 40 minutes, just about like, you know, the team he loves and the sport he loves. And I, I think that's such a cool thing, man. I, you know, I'm not trying to sound like, you know, I'm full of myself, but like, dude, I, you know, I think we're onto something, you know? I hope so. And, you know, we're <laughs> 53 episodes in. Uh, I think at this point we've kind of made that clear. But, yeah, I mean, we should probably just like pepper in like an occasional like basketball episode, you know? Fuck that. No. Just like totally throw people for a loop. Just be like, oh, you know, this is our interview with like this guy. And then we just talk about like Michael Jordan the whole time. See how many people we could piss off. You'd piss me off. I, I would be done with this. I would tune out of my own podcast. <laughs> But speaking of Michael Jordan, uh, you know, we, we got into talking with with Mike a little bit about, um, you know, the two kind of stalwart pairs of, you know, Pittsburgh Penguins across the years. You know, that being obviously the, the tandem of uh, of Yager and Lemieux and then the tandem of Crosby and Malkin. And we kind of dove deep, although not, you know, not super deep. But like, in your opinion, like, do you think that, you know, 20 years from now, Crosby and Malkin will go down as like the, the top pair, or do you think that'll still be Lemieux and Yager? I think Mike brought up a good point. Like I can see Crosby and Malkin finishing their careers as penguins and like only mm-hmm. playing for the penguins. So obviously that's yeah. going to affect people's opinions on that. But mm-hmm. like when it comes to their play and like, yeah. you know, I, I admitted on this podcast, I I'm a Mary Lemieux fan. Like, even though I don't like necessarily him now because he's the GM of the Penguins and mm-hmm. like owner of the of the Penguins, uh, sorry, the owner of the Penguins and has yeah, exactly. Yeah. Come out and, and kind of bash some of the uh, things that the Islanders did, especially like after that fight night that we were talking about early uh, on mm-hmm. the episode. Yep, um, yep, yep. But as a player, man, Mary Lemieux is just so inspirational. Um, I, I really do think that he could have come close to a lot of the records that Gretzky has if he was mm-hmm. able to stay healthy and you know his back issues and 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 cancer you know I I really do and that what he's done for that franchise and keeping them in Pittsburgh and getting them a new arena and all of that like there's no no doubt that he is one of the greatest to ever play hockey and and, that, and that's a I, yeah oh go ahead and, go ahead. and Yager was just so young like when when the the um, Penguins won those cups in the early nineties, you know, Yager came in the league. I want to say like 88, maybe. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Like 87, 88, like around then. And Mm -hmm. then they're winning their, their first cups in the early nineties, like 92. Um, It just, you know, so young in the, and he, he wasn't necessarily as established as Melkin is now like Melkin. So obviously like Crosby and Lemieux are the comparables. And then like, Yager and Melkin are comparables, but you know, Melkin's 
a veteran at this point. And and when Yager was on yeah. those cup winning teams, he was, you know, a young a young stud, a, like not necessarily a rookie, but he was a first year, couple of years in the league. I mean, like, so I, I just just uh, just looking back on it, uh, Yager went nineteen ninety nineteen ninety drafts. I mean, he was literally when they won those cups, he was you know we're talking literally year two and three. You know, so I mean, it's like it's crazy. But the other the other point I was trying to I was going to bring up um, is like. So when you look at like as good as Crosby and Malkin are, right? And and I mean, and you can't deny that they're two excellent, renowned hockey players. But like when you look at how so like the game in the '80s and then the the '90s going into the 2000s, like you look at guys like Lemieux and Yager, I think that a lot of players patterned their play against guys like like against guys like that. So like you know you had people that. You know, the way Lemieux skated, the, you know, the way Lemieux's mind was, you know, how 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 Yager approached things. I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of young hockey players emulated that. And out of that came this new breed of players where I don't think you could say the same thing about Crosby and Malkin. And maybe you could counterpoint that against me. But I don't like I don't think you could say that, like, in terms of um, like the lasting effect that they have had on other hockey players is as deep like as as far as the game in general i think that they're two very close teams and you know how crosby and malkin finish their careers is going to have a lot to say about which was the one that was more uh that was tenured better but like as far as like how they melded the actual play of the game i think you can't deny that lemieux and and yager were more more important i i think they're more important to guys our age and you know we're going to see the the influence that Crosby and Melkin have in a few years. Like, you know, mm. those kids are the ones that are getting drafted, you know, this year or next year. You know, when they were little kids learning the game, they were looking up to Sidney Crosby, looking up to Evgeny Malkin. Like, so we're we're going to see that, man. And it's just such a fun and silly, like, obviously what we're saying about this means jack yeah. shit because they're... they're obviously just four superstars and yeah. four future hall of famers. And mm-hmm. it makes me so jealous that the, I, the penguins have two duos that are so like monumental in the sport where mm-hmm. I can't even think of one dynamic duo that the Islanders had. Oh, I mean like Mike Peck and Richard Park. <laughs> they weren't no, even I mean, on the right. same teams. No, I know they weren't, but you're like, you're right. And I, I, I get that. Like, you know, like when you look at like, you know, there are a lot of teams that you look at, like, you know, when you look at the, you know, the Rangers, you know, Gretzky and Messier and you look at, uh, you know, like, you know, some, some of those other nineties teams or like, you know, Detroit with, you know, Eiserman and Fedorov and, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the Islanders really don't have that kind of depth, especially not to, you know, in a span of 20 years from one another. Um, and it, it's a bit of a bummer, you know, the Islanders, you know, we've talked about it before, man, their glory, their real glory is in that eighties cup run, you know, other than that, they've really been like kind of a, one of those hodgepodge teams that have like, you know, made it a couple of steps up the pool and then just fell right back in. You know? It, so it does know. kind of piss me off and I get where like Toronto fans come from. like. Yeah. Why did the Islanders not find their, you know, second 
superstar to compliment Tavares. Like yeah. we had eight or nine seasons with him. And mm-hmm. what are you going to say that he got to play with Matt Molson? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, yeah, right. We, we, there's no excuse. There's no excuse that we didn't put yeah. some other talent with him the whole time mm-hmm. he was here because that, yeah. that could have no, been our, our dynamic duo that took us to the glory days, you know, the glory yeah. of winning, you know, something. And sure. it's, it made me sad that we had <laughs> just to talk about this, but you know, so, it, was, and that's, it was just so much fun talking with Mike because, yeah. you know, even though he lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, he's still a huge Penguins fan. And I respect that. And I respect the devil wears Prada and it was just a lot of fun. So, you know, we, we can just put a stamp on this episode as, you know, another milestone for the podcast. And, um, yeah. you know, as always, you can find all our previous episodes on www.bardownbreakdown.com. Fancy website that we have up and running now. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook if you are a grandpa. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's uh, definitely a, a different audience on, on Facebook than it is on some of the other social media platforms that we use. But, you know, by all means, follow us everywhere. Tell your friends. Uh, make sure you are subscribing so that you don't miss an episode because we're pounding these things out, man. And, and we're going to keep doing it and as long as we can. So make sure, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss any. Leave a review. Let us know how we're doing. And uh, yep. all those other good things that we're supposed to tell you to do. But Tom, oh, yeah. it's been a blast chatting with you as always. I hope yes, you sir. have a great week. And I wish you best of luck in your new job. You know, we probably won't talk until you have started. So, you know, kick some ass. Take some names. Absolutely. And we'll uh, certainly do that. I, I'll, I'll let you go, man. Peace be with you. All right, buddy. And also with you, man. Take care.
Black and air.